Hi, it's Dwyer. On Monday, June 12th, 2023, gamblersadvisory.com, a free site, bettingangle.us, a free site. Remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Now, the best gamblers I know of, right? I follow a few gamblers who make predictions on different sports, right? Uh, Steve Fezzik, excellent. Kenny White, excellent. Over time, you realize that these gamblers are betting on situations, not necessarily individual teams or in the case of boxing, individual fighters. Right now, the Teofimo Lopez, Josh Taylor fight, let's just talk about a gambling thought process here, right? Before the fight, I did not know. I just want to be clear here. I did not know who was going to win. I believe I said so in the pre-fight video. So this is one of those situations where you're getting great odds. If you got this fight right before round one, I believe you got Teofimo Lopez at a plus 180. Right? Bet a dollar, get the dollar back with $1.80 for a fight where he was fighting at home in Madison Square Garden against a guy, Josh Taylor, who's Last fight was not inspiring, his fight against Jack Catterall, and who had certain things, and we'll talk about them here, that played into Teofimo's game. So this is one of those situations where you walk in the casino, and I'm being figurative here, right? Obviously, many of you bet online, right? So figuratively speaking, you walk into the casino, you think to yourself, wow, this is a close fight. I don't know who's going to win, right? Then you notice the mood in the room is different, right? For some reason, folks are giving Teofimo great odds. <laughs> folks, I did not even get a plus 150 because I bet the fight early, then bet it before the line substantially shifted. My average play was something like a plus 140, just understand, um, you got great odds on Teofimo. Then, of course, the fight happens. Teofimo wins the fight, and you're thinking to yourself, wow. So that's how the fight turned out. While you're, of course, walking in after the fight, collecting a bounty that really makes it almost seem like you're robbing a bank in broad daylight, right? People around you are stunned, and they say, hey, how did you know Teofimo was going to win this fight? And the answer is, hey, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know who was going to win. I was playing the odds. I was playing the situation, right? All I knew was that it was a close fight. I didn't have to know who the winner of the fight was to profit. Let's go one step further. You know, Jack Catterall went the distance with Josh Taylor. You know, Regis Progray, standing right in front of Josh Taylor, went the distance with Josh Taylor. 
right? If you had the over, folks, you not only won on the tail femo at better than plus 150 if you bet it late, you won on the over as well. Now let's talk about the fight. Why did we think the fight was close? I'm going to throw in the names of some other fighters. They're relevant here. Let me also, before I do tailboxing, let's help some promoters here. Let's help the sport. You have a blockbuster fight. It's less than perfect. One guy would be out of the weight class. But you have a blockbuster fight that's almost a guaranteed sellout at the perfect time. Right, The first fight's a little bit clouded because one guy had a shoulder injury that later required surgery. That first fight was close. There are some who believe that the fight should have been scored differently. Right, The guy who lost made a comeback in that fight late. A rematch would be a bonanza, especially now, since Loma lost the controversial fight in a different match against Devin Haney. Right, Lomachenko, truth be told, is small for 135 pounds. He would be even smaller for 140 pounds. But just understand, the first fight is a bit of a classic between himself and Teofimo Lopez. A rematch at 140 would be for the WBO championship in the weight class. You would have differing points of view. One would be the Teofimo is too young and too big and has already beaten Lomachenko. The other would be that Loma, some feel, beat Devin Haney, that Loma is still an elite fighter, and that Loma with two good shoulders would take out Teofimo Lopez, right? Let's hope the promoters out there are bold enough to make that fight, right? Loma in New York City against Teofimo fighting in his backyard. Let me tip you off on something. New York City has a lot of Ukrainians, folks, right? That fight would be box office gold. Devin Haney is too big for 135. I'm guessing Devin Haney would be in the stands. Many of you want to see Loma, Devin Haney too, right? Think about who would be in the stands for that fight. Devin Haney, Ramirez, Zapata, right? Ryan Garcia, who we'll talk about. Just think about Regis, Progre. Just think about the situation at 140. Just imagine a fight between Teofimo and Loma, the rematch. And then just imagine the possibilities after that. If Teofimo wins, then we can get Teofimo, Devin Haney, and fans will have a common denominator. Right, how they did against a healthy Lomachenko. If Loma wins, my goodness, the boxing universe outside of heavyweight would go through him. He would have more choices than you could imagine. Right, he could fight Devin Haney again, only this time it's for the title at 140.
He could fight Teofimo in a rubber match. Isn't that the way these great fights happen? Right? Think Ali Fraser. That trilogy. Right? Bo Holifield. Another trilogy. Right? He could challenge all of us. Fight Regis Progre. Say, okay, I'm here at 140. I might as well fight the man who many consider to be the best at 140. Right? Let's just think it through. Okay, let's talk about this fight. Let's talk about why it was a close fight. Actually, the fight itself wasn't close. Let's talk about why we thought, in the face of the odds, it was a close fight. Ryan Garcia has an excellent left hook, doesn't he? If you see him fight, it's obvious, isn't it? He uses that left hook to knock out people, doesn't he? Right? But you noticed that Southpaw and Ryan Garcia is a righty, just like Teofimo Lopez. At least he fights out of a right-handed stance. And he was fighting a Southpaw, which is what Teofimo just did in fighting Josh Taylor. He was fighting a Southpaw in Gravante Davis. Right? And Gravante Davis had Ryan Garcia's left hook timed to the point where he was able to duck under it, wasn't he? Welcome to world-class championship-level boxing. Right slugger, Gervonta Davis, was thinking defense. He understood the opponent had a great left hook. He was prepared for it. That left hook came, Gervonta is ducking under it. Now, Teofimo Lopez has a better left hook than Ryan Garcia because it's hidden. Because it's used for a different purpose. Understand, Teofimo Lopez and his left hook, folks, has ring coverage. You saw that in the eighth round. He literally jumps moves forward. It looks like it's at least three and a half, four feet to land a pitch-perfect left hook on Josh Taylor, right? In my eyes, that's the punch of the fight, right? Just to understand that Teofimo uses that left hook against southpaws, and let's be clear here, Teofimo likes to fight southpaws. Right, Loma, Southpaw. Sander Martin, Southpaw. Josh Taylor, Southpaw. Teofimo Lopez likes to use his left hook to counter a Southpaw's errant jab. He's so good at landing that left hook, that it takes the southpaw's jab and it lines up perfectly, right? A southpaw's throwing a right jab, which is opposite Teofimo's left hook, right? Just understand a southpaw throwing a jab that misses Teofimo is naked to the left hook. So what happens is a southpaw has to think before throwing that jab. If I miss this guy, I'm going to be naked. And he has a left hook, quite frankly, that can end fights.
right? Teofimo's left hook he can use for defensive purposes. Now, let me just say this, right? Not to sound too wonkish, but if you want the blueprint on how to beat Teofimo, being a southpaw, shooting a right jab, you have the blueprint on film. It's the Sander Martin fight. Now, understand. Martin was not awarded the decision against Teofimo Lopez, but that fight's a hell of a lot closer than this Josh Taylor fight. And what Sander Martin does, and this is why boxing's not really about levels, it's rock, paper, scissors. What Sander Martin does is he forces Teofimo Lopez, who's a natural counterpuncher, to come find him, to move his feet. So Teofimo's not lying in wait like he is against Josh Taylor, right? Teofimo's not bending at the waist to get his head out of the straight line for Josh Taylor's right jab. No, Teofimo against Sander Martin is trying to come forward against a mover. And Martin is riddling him with left jabs that land, right, is hitting Teofimo and is moving away from Teofimo. Sander Martin wrecks Teofimo's counterpunching plan, right? Counterpunchers want you to throw so they can throw, right? Teofimo wants you to throw a jab so he can bend his waist away from the jab. And keep in mind, He's the shorter man in this fight. He has Josh Taylor reaching for him. And Teofimo, who also knows he's the faster man in this fight. Faster hand speed, faster reflexes. Would roll away from Josh Taylor's jab and then would come back with left hooks up top. Let's talk about how advanced Teofimo is. Sometimes he would throw the left hook and it wouldn't even be up top. He would hook to Josh Taylor's body. A lot of this fight is Teofimo avoiding the jab, right? He does so by bending at the waist. He's mindful of the jab. He's moving away from the jab. And then he has a free reign as Josh Taylor is reaching, unable to land the jab, right? Taylor is exposed, just like Lawrence O'Coley was exposed against Chris Billum Smith. So what you have here is one of boxing's better left hooks on a guy who has an opponent who isn't Sander Martin. In other words, had Josh Taylor been on his back foot, think Ali, think Larry Holmes, think Sander Martin, had he been on his back foot, had he known how to frame the jab, you're fighting a counterpuncher. Don't you want to faint with the jab? Have the counterpuncher then counter a jab that hasn't been thrown and then come back with whatever your real punch is. Could be the jab, it could be the straight left.
No, no, Josh Taylor here is Josh Taylor. This is who he was in the Catterall fight. This is who he is in this fight. Right, Josh Taylor is trying to be in the pocket. He's been lulled into complacency by the myth that bigger men can come in and rough up smaller men. I'm not saying that Teofimo Lopez is Floyd Mayweather. But what I am saying is he has some Mayweather traits. Right? One of them is to convince opponents to come after him. Right, folks? That's not how to play against a counterpuncher. Understand, it's a bit of an illusion. Right? There are times in this fight where Teofimo backs up, is even back against the ropes, and you'll notice his face. He's looking, just like Floyd would. He's looking at Josh Taylor, and he has his hands in such a way where he's protecting himself from Taylor's jab. Right? Let me also say, too, that the movement doesn't help Josh Taylor in this fight, the way they move. Right? Josh Taylor's not on his back foot with a lot of lateral movement like Sander Martin. What he is, is he's in front of Teofimo Lopez, right? But understand, they move differently. Josh Taylor looks like a fidgety guy with a lot of energy, right? So he's moving around like a fidgety guy would. Teofimo Lopez, by contrast, comes across as calm. Right? He's explosive. In other words, Teofimo, you know, is playing poker the whole way. Right? He wants you to throw. He has the left hook coiled. Right? When you throw, he already knows. I'm going to throw this left hook up top or I'm going to throw this left hook to the body. He already knows that. Understand, too, I'm mentioning Teofimo's left a lot. Teofimo has an excellent straight right hand. Right? So, where it gets complicated is, I believe, to beat Teofimo, who's a master boxer in the pocket. Right? You don't see his tools until you make a move. This isn't Ryan Garcia where Gervonta Davis is looking at Garcia's shoulder and knows when Garcia starts to throw, chances are it's going to be a left hook. Let me duck under it. No, this is more complicated. You're in front of Teofimo and he looks calm. Right? Then you throw a jab and suddenly you notice while Teofimo doesn't have Canelo level, you know, uh, head movement above the shoulders. You notice Teofimo understands that he has an advantage. Fighting low. He can bend at the waist and lean his head away from your jab. 
and then come back with left hooks. Teofimo also knows against the tall fighter, he doesn't have to target that tall fighter's head. Right? Tall fighters who know what they're doing, not necessarily Josh Taylor here. Right? Taylor gives up his height because, as I said in the pre-fight video, Taylor is really more of a fighter than a boxer. Let me also point out, too, on the telecast, they had Regis Progray, uh, his Twitter comments, where he thought Taylor got off to a great start. What fight was he watching? Folks, by the sixth round, I'm just telling you the, the dynamic was set. Don't be fooled by the judges. I know two of them had it 115-113. Right? Teofimo knows he has this fight by the sixth round because he had to realize that Taylor has no answers. Let me underline the word no. No answers for Teofimo's left-hand counters. Right? No answers. Right? So Teofimo knows he has this countering opportunity. And, of course, as Josh Taylor falls behind in the fight, and I believe his corner knew he was behind. I know on the telecast, they talk with his corner with two rounds to go, and I know his corner says, hey, we're going to leave here with the belts. Our guy just has to win the last two rounds. Come on now. You're in New York City. You're in Teofimo's backyard. Not only that, the people in New York know boxing. You don't think the crowd do? The crowd's standing up for parts of the fight. You don't think a New York crowd wasn't appreciating the crispness of the counterpunching? Right? Let me also say something else, and it needs to be said. They had a great interview. Because these boxing themes translate to different weight classes. The Zone had a great interview with Big George Foreman recently. Full disclosure, I'm a subscriber to ESPN Plus as well as The Zone. Right? On The Zone, Big George Foreman, and I say his nickname because it matters, was talking about heavyweight boxing. And he pointed out his belief, right? This is a Hall of Fame guy. This is a guy who has been heavyweight champ more than once, right? This is a guy who's been in with Ali. He's been in with uh, Evander Holofield, right? Um, Joe Fraser. And Foreman talked about how guys smaller than him, he felt, had an advantage because they were a bit more coordinated, Right? You saw that here. Josh Taylor wisely is thinking about jumping up to 147. Sometimes size is a detriment. This fight's exhibit A. Right? Teofimo just looked more coordinated than Josh Taylor. Right? Teofimo is leaning away from Josh Taylor's jab. Teofimo's punches seem to get there faster. He has Josh Taylor reaching throughout. 
Josh Taylor's jab is neutralized. Teofimo does get marked up. Some of the punches get through. But let's just say Josh Taylor wasn't as successful with the jab as Sander Martin was. Right? Josh Taylor didn't seem to realize that getting Teofimo to lift up his feet and to try to come find him, right, to force a counterpuncher to lead might actually help his cause, might actually open up the spacing for some of his jabs. Right, Josh Taylor's understanding of the sport is different than Sander Martin's. Let me point out, too, that Sander Martin, of course, beat Mikey Garcia. Right, when I mention Sander Martin, understand he's thought this out. Right, again, boxing's rock, paper, scissors. Just like Teofimo Lopez is looking to fight Southpaws, understand some movers are looking to fight Teofimo Lopez. Right? The interesting catch with Teofimo is that I believe he can be smothered. In other words, counterpunchers like this who are surgical who have right hooks they want to extend, right? That eighth round right hook, folks, that's a great punch, right? Folks should just watch the eighth round for that punch, right? Guys like that, if you're a Roberto Duran-type fighter, you can smother a punch like that by coming in but you need to have defense on the way in that's better than the defense Josh Taylor showed in this fight. The problem is Taylor's trying to come inside, but he's not really a roughhouse fighter. And he's getting hit with wicked hooks to his body on the way in. Right, to beat Teofimo, I believe you either need to be back foot and moving which is what, ironically, Lomachenko tried to do in the first half of his fight against Teofimo. He lost most of those rounds. Or you need to tip Teofimo backwards and smother his counterpunching brilliance. What you can't do is hover around the pocket and actually give him room to throw those beautiful left hooks to the head and body, right? Teofimo also throws a pretty good uppercut. I would argue he needs room for his right hand. So to sum up, oh, let me just say this too. I want people to read the comments to the pre-fight video. There were some great comments there. You learn a lot about the fights just by reading the comments. People pointed out that after... Teofimo fought Masayoshi Nakatani, right? Teofimo commented, no more big guys, right? Teofimo knew that that fight wasn't his best. He got hit with a lot of shots. He said, hey, man, no more big guys. I don't want to deal with tall guys who have reach and stuff like that, right? Now, understand Nakatani, who lost to Loma, right? Nakatani, while bigger, like Josh Taylor, is a looper. Look at his punches. 
You've heard me talk about how I feel Ergovic has a shot to kidnap the heavyweight title because he's a looper, right? Loopers are hard on technician guys like a Lopez because a Lopez will see a punch coming and then he, he'll put a hand up here, right? The problem with loopers is it takes a few rounds to figure out the angles. So you put a hand here and the looper hits you here. Flush. Right? A counterpuncher thinks he has a counterpunching opportunity. Then the looper turns the punch. It's like a curveball in baseball. The looper turns his wrist and suddenly a shot that you thought you were inside of hits you on the side of the head. Josh Taylor's not a looper. Josh Taylor is not a Marvin Hagler who is fighting Roberto Duran and figures out during the fight he has to loop his shots. He's not Lennox Lewis who is fighting Vitaly Klitschko, is getting his butt kicked, then realizes he has to loop his shots. No, Josh Taylor is a bigger man, but he's throwing straight shots, folks. He's not a looper. So what you have, what you have in this fight is a technician in the pocket who is not dealing with the looper, who's dealing with a guy who is throwing long punches. Josh Taylor's not a short puncher. Understand, counterpunchers love fighting guys with longer punches because that gives them the opportunity to counter. Right? A fight against Loma is more interesting because Loma has faster hand speed than Josh Taylor. Josh Taylor's an excellent fighter. This was just a bad style matchup. This was also a bad location matchup. Let's remember, Josh Taylor beats Regis in a close fight in Taylor's backyard. Right? This is Taylor after crossing the Atlantic. Right? This is Taylor on foreign soil, just like AJ lost his heavyweight title after he crossed the Atlantic. This is Taylor in foreign territory against a quick twitch, fast counter guy with a beautiful left hook, in fact, a beautiful left hand, right, who's comfortable in the pocket and who, because Taylor is throwing straight punches, knew how to bend away from Taylor's punches, knew how to leverage the height gap, the fact that he was smaller, to fight low, to force the bigger man to reach for him. And as Taylor reaches, Teofimo is landing crisp counters. Right? I believe Teofimo would have a hard time against a Roberto Duran type, right? A guy who can get inside on you and who's grappling with you, right? That kind of fighter would have given him a hard time, a Ricky Hatton type, right? Ricky Hatton, Roberto Duran, same type fighter, right? They come in, they're tying you up, they're front foot heavy, they're, you know, in fairness to Duran, Duran had a back foot. Look at the Duran Barkley 
masterpiece that he throws down, right? But Duran knew how to come in and hold crisp counterpunchers like this. Josh Taylor did not. So here in a fight where I had no clue who was going to win the fight, figuratively speaking, I was able to profit, you know, somebody wins these fights, you want to judge the situation, right? When you're fighting Teofimo Lopez, and I know Cambosis beat Lopez in his backyard, right? Maybe that helped the line for Lopez. But when you're fighting Lopez in his backyard, when you're the bigger fighter, but you're a straight puncher, and we all understand Lopez is a technician, and when you're not back foot and lateral, like Sander Martin, who I suspect Lopez will never fight again in his life, right? You know, uh, if he's smart, right? If you're not a back foot lateral mover, Martin Ali type, right? If your game is to crash the pocket and to try to land right jabs and to make the fight rough and tumble, and if you're a longer puncher than Teofimo Lopez, with slower hand speed, you're going to have problems. <coughs> I congratulate Teofimo. He has a lot of great opponents to choose from. Given that Loma is in his mid-30s, given that Loma's in the news because of the Devin Haney fight, I hope he considers the rematch, given the history between the men, against Lomachenko, I think that would be big at Madison Square Garden, right? Loma's looking for redemption. Loma's that vet who's at a point in his career where he only wants big fights, right? He wants to fight champions. I believe that fight sells itself. Let me know what you think. I hope you leave your comments in the comment section of this video. Josh Taylor after this fight said, hey, I know how to beat him now. I want a rematch. Be careful what you ask for. Right? Josh Taylor's not going to shorten his punches for his next fight. He's not going to match Teofimo Lopez in terms of crisp counterpunching for his next fight. Right? If I'm Josh Taylor, I just write off this fight, move up to 147. I realize that I have outgrown 140, right? Didn't look good against Jack Catterall. This didn't look like an off night. This looked like a continued situation. If I'm Josh Taylor, I go to 147. I have a few fights there. Uh, I also ask myself the question of if I have reach against a guy, even though the guy has ring coverage, against a guy who didn't look that great against Sander Martin. Why didn't I use my reach more in this fight? Why didn't I get the counterpuncher to lift his feet and try to find me so that he wasn't ready for throwing a crisp counter? Why didn't I double and triple up on my jab as I moved around the ring? That's the fight I saw. Tell us the fight you saw in the comment section of this YouTube video. Tell us what surprised you. Tell us what happened as you expected. Explain to us why Teofimo
when the fight tipped off was going off at something like a plus 180. Tell us the odds you got. Tell us why odds makers were giving Teofimo at home less than a 40% chance of winning this fight. Thanks for stopping by.